Hi, I'm Jenna Louise and I've decided to start this podcast for many reasons. To share my experiences and to hopefully help somebody else in even a small way by doing this. And maybe also help myself too by finally talking. I'd firstly like to share a little bit of my life experiences in the last few years and lessons I've learned from these. I'll briefly cover different subjects I have an insight into, but we'll then revisit these in a discussion with others. My way of coping will be completely different to someone else's, but what I'm trying to share is that it doesn't matter what your background is and how happy you may seem to others. It is okay not to be okay or anywhere near it, and it's certainly okay to let someone help you if need be. I'm going to be talking to my incredible friends over a period of time, and others that I have met and have been so inspirational in many ways to me. Share their experiences too through separate podcasts. My thread to this all is an old Audrey Hepburn quote, nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. So that's it, I'm possible. This was something that a great friend wrote down on a piece of paper when I was seriously unwell and struggling with life. It seemed impossible to ever reverse the mess I was in. She changed that impossible to I'm possible again and again. I never forgot this. A mantra for us all believe in ourselves. I'm opening up about who I am and the mistakes I've made, or as one friend corrected me, what I have learnt in life. I could just push it all to one side and pretend it didn't happen, and I have done that to an extent, but now I feel ready to share all. The time just feels right. I tell myself I have nothing to be afraid, ashamed of. I remember more than anybody probably thinks I do. My flashbacks got lost over time, but it never goes away. Although sometimes, to be honest, it feels that it was all just a dream. I'm 55, divorced, and I have three beautiful grown-up children who are my world. And I'm so proud of the strong, independent adults they are. And all I want to do is to be here for them, but also for them to be proud of me by following my dreams and not just talking about them. I really don't know the exact moment I just started to become depressed, down, out of control of my feelings, my mind, my actions. But looking back, I think it may have been when I felt my role as wife and mother seemed to diminish. It's hard to really pin an exact time to the start of depression, anxiety, and when they become one horrible mess. All my children were either away at school or at uni and my husband travelled a lot with his job. Long gone were the days I was called upon as corporate wife. Not that I would have been so good at that pretense world in the state that I was to become. And it was never my forte anyway. I never stopped watching my children in matches, plays, concerts, any excuse. But boarding school was never on my plan. It just happened. Once one went, the other two followed. And I hated it. I was always hugely into exercise and I would go as far as saying it'd become another addiction. But I love it and I need it in my life. It's been there for me as a child in sports and then from 18 in the form of classes. All in one leotards and leg warmer days. It is now and apart from a few years been my thing, my time for me. As I lost confidence back then though, I felt my loss of role. I felt embarrassed and consequently I felt I was dull ugly and didn't fit in with the lifestyle that I was meant to be in. I had the most amazing friends but it is so easy to put on that smile 
appear to be busy, but actually not want to leave the house or open the door to anyone or go to the gym. I would shut the curtains and hide. Now alcohol was slowly starting to be my self-medication. Not so much in public, but at home to make me sleep and block out all the pain. Eventually into an unconscious oblivion. I'm not going to go into fine detail or show embarrassing moments during this time, but it got worse. I had panic attacks that felt as though my heart would stop. I called an ambulance once. I passed out. I retched. My hand shook. And so, you need more drink to block out those things too. I'd lost control. I'd lost my way. Eventually it became obvious to everyone I could not hide it. My weight had plummeted. I hated myself. I wore elasticated leggings, cheap big baggy tops. I had no pride in my appearance at all. I should have guessed then what sort of man I was married to. He was really just embarrassed by me and he cruelly let me know that. Although I do appreciate it isn't easy for the person dealing with someone in this state. It must be very frustrating. My own children and friends eventually stepped in. I went to the Priory for two weeks, reluctantly, and when I came out I was supposedly on the road to recovery. But nothing had changed at home. I faced the same things that had got me in that state, but with shame this time. I was a privileged woman who had so much to be grateful for. Why would I be in such a mess? Another point to cover. We are all just humans, after all. One of my counsellors in a group session said that I shouldn't be embarrassed. It didn't matter if you came from a part bench or part lane. We were all there for the same reason and we all needed the same help. I still felt mortified by myself. I remember on my 25th wedding anniversary, my husband took me for a meal in London and said if I didn't tell the children, I could have a drink. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. And soon I thought I was hiding it all again. But this time I fooled no one as the drinking got worse. Eventually, my liver could take no more and I was so dangerously near to death. Even then, a friend's husband had to phone and say to my husband, get a doctor or she will die. I'd reached rock bottom. I mean, seriously, I could fall no further. I'll stop there for a moment as that's what it took and what follows to make me realise what was important in my life. And why I was bolted into realisation, I wanted to live. This normal, privileged, attractive young girl who had all the knowledge, had trained as a nurse and had seen it in her job had come to this and I was only 49. These are just words now and I have to pinch myself to believe that this was actually me. So there I was, drifting in and out of consciousness in hospital when I heard a doctor say, the next 24 hours will be crucial as their organs may all start to fail. This may sound a little dramatic, but I swear at that very point something inside of me switched and that stubborn side of me that had been there from being a child declared war. I refused to die. Perhaps some there felt I deserved all I had coming to me, but I have to tell myself now I was ill. I hadn't done this with any intention, but only to cope. I also realised now that a lot of us think we're invincible. I know I did. 
I heard doctors around me saying what a waste and silly woman. And as I got through those first 24 hours, one doctor snapped at me. I was very lucky, he said, but I was still dangerously ill and my life would be hugely shortened. I was actually grateful for this harsh approach because I thought, do you know what? I'm going to prove you all wrong. I can talk another time in depth about the years leading up to this and hopefully with those around me who desperately tried to help. But along with that help, it had to come from me too. I needed to want to help myself. I hadn't meant to slowly kill myself. I was just in a dark tunnel, spiralling out of control and with no tools to get out. Of course, everyone had heard the cry of, I'm going to stop this all before, and why should they believe me? I knew it would be a long time before anyone would really trust me, but I always felt that was their right, and I deserved it. My friends had been through so much dealing with me at this stage, but they came regularly visiting me with so much support. It was at this time that my friend, who was going through the absolute worst time herself, wrote down different coping techniques, including impossible, no, that spells I'm possible. My time in hospital was a scary time. I was jaundiced and my whole body depleted of minerals and elements that it needed. I was attached to several drips and had regular blood tests that didn't improve at first. I used to hate it when it got dark because I felt that if I slept I wouldn't, be, wouldn't wake up and I needed to be awake to fight. I would listen to the change of activity each night out on the ward and keep the television on to try and stop my mind from thinking the worse. After two weeks, I was allowed home. I used to walk at speed around the ward, so I thought I was better than I was, and my bloods finally started to improve. I hated being there. I wanted to go home, although it suggested I went to detox. I refused. I remained adamant that I needed to go home. So that's what happened. After a week at home, my husband went on business for two weeks. I was alone. I was on so many drugs that my immune system was shocked. I had several chest infections, urine infections, shingles, and I was incontinent, both ways. But I believed I deserved it. I made myself walk every day. I remember I cleaned out the understairs cupboard one time, so that when my husband got back, he would be proud of me. He was the love of my life, and all I knew was that I had a long way to go to give him back his wife. He used to say, the old Janie is in there and I was going to work so hard even though it hurt I believed I deserved it I continued to improve over the next three months but was given a poor prognosis at a consultant follow-up it took two years before I told anyone this apart from my GP who told me to ignore it and stay positive he was right that first Christmas, just a few months after coming out of hospital, our house flooded. We were out in rented accommodation for nine months. I project managed this all alone as my husband had left to work abroad shortly afterwards. Yet another desperately lonely time, mostly in this strange house, brand new with none of our belongings. All our furniture downstairs had been lost in the flood. I rattled around in a big house with a few bits of rented furniture another experience all of its own. Then so started our build-up of our marriage as I flew back and forward every few weeks. I started to run, take pride in my appearance and had lost over three stone. The irony may be that I was under so much pressure during this time compared to when I was drinking, 
but maybe I thrived on showing everyone I meant business. However, this was an incredible, lonely and sad time. I turned 50, but as much as I tried, it was hard to be anything but grateful for reaching it. Remember, I still believed I had little time to live. It took over a year before my husband finally told me his feelings were back and he started to make promise after promise. I loved him with all my heart, but it was hard living in two countries. He said he wanted me there permanently. Our youngest was now at uni and whilst I secretly didn't want to, I knew I had to do it eventually and our marriage slowly appeared to be back to the old days or at least for most of a year. Then as I was feeling secure, happy and starting to love myself, a a little thing started to change. Nothing obvious to anyone else, but I just knew something wasn't quite right. But then he took me on a romantic holiday, told me I was his soulmate and we discussed our retirement plans. For a few days I believed I'd just been silly having all this doubt. Then, two months later, with a lot of probing, he told me over the phone after 30 years... He was confused and wasn't sure he wanted to be married to me anymore. Now I don't really remember the next year. I went to a gym every day where no one knew me. Sometimes doing three classes a day, shopped at the same supermarket and home to bed. A few holidays with the children. But it's a blur. Of course, there was someone else in his life and he is already remarried to her. A lot more has happened in his last three years since he left, but I don't want to share everything yet. But I moved house on my own, I've dealt with the divorce lawyer, the conveyance thing and everything else alien to me. I have to remind myself of things like that. It was a long, horrible divorce and a very stressful move, but I did it. I'd been his wife and a mother and just signed forms put in front of me before. I hadn't a clue where our money was. My father died young and my mum had no idea of finances. I promised myself I would never be like that. But somehow, here I was. Life goes on, whatever is happening to you. I've realised that over the years. And now I have to try and embrace that. To many people die too early. I've experienced that too many times as well. However, not at any point have I wanted to drink for the last six years. I haven't attended any groups because for me they don't work. Maybe one day I might, I don't know. But for me it's a relief not to drink and I seriously have no cravings or the slightest need to do so. The consequences that come with it are strongly embedded in my mind. I'm possible. I've had dreadful low times and I still do. I'm not completely over him and even though I hate him, I still love the man that I knew. Then this last Christmas, my brother died suddenly at 59. As I said, I'd already lost my dad when he was 58, many years before. It was like living the same nightmare all over again. It was a huge shock and really hard to deal with us, for all of us. But especially my poor children, my sister-in-law and my mum. It's as though everything that can be thrown to test us keeps coming. But through it, I'm so proud of my children and how they cope. Beyond proud, they've dealt with so much that they didn't ask for. They've struggled, of course, but they're strong individuals in their own rights. And I hope none of this defines them. At least now, it's easier to talk and be open, thank goodness. 
maybe through one of these podcasts they can talk about their journey through all of this. Lots of people know all that happened to me, maybe some have guessed to a point, but I want you to know that when life seems impossible, when there seems no end to the shit happening to you, someone out there knows how you're feeling and can't take it away, but can listen, sympathise or just be there. I would be for anybody. It amazes me friends who have stuck with me have had worse things going on in their own lives. I'm still lonely. I'm sad. I feel rejected. I feel unworthy. I don't like myself most of the time. I still have panic attacks, anxiety, take antidepressants. So it's not a happy ever after or a quick fix. It's life. But I'm here and I'm alive and I do feel lucky for the most important things in my life. My three children and all of my friends and of course my health. I love my exercise again and I've even made lovely new friends through my classes. I pride myself on the lovely old and new friends I have in my life. I go to amazing gym and my way of thinking has changed into a more positive way. Exercise is so much more than just that. Even the walk to a class or a session feels great physically and mentally. Financially, I'm okay. I know plenty of friends that were left with nothing following divorce. I'll have to be careful with money, but I want to live my life now. I want to feel happy again. I want to have a purpose. Those things are my therapy, my drive, and I would try never to take them for granted. I know so many people who have been through life-changing events, good, bad, unusual, funny, inspiring, and that's what I want to do for my podcast talks. There is so much more to me than my above pre-say, but I wanted to lay that open and expose myself and would be so happy to help anyone in more depth if I could. Also, it's only fair if I'm asking others to talk that I'm honest and open. I hope that I can manage to touch on a variety of subjects and deliver it to you in a helpful way. I will try to present up to half hour interviews and these will be listed on my website. I feel ready to do this and I want to put my heart and soul into it. I'm so far from perfect but I'm possible. I'm going to read a poem I wrote, not greatly written, but the only thing I managed to write a few months after coming out of hospital. It's always strange to read back something you wrote a while ago whilst in a different place. Since a child, my mind has filled with words, transformed into stories and a poet unheard. Escape quite often from a life seemingly sweet but all was not as seemed, and words my only retreat. Escape to block the shouting, and then we run, through song words I cope, listening over and over to each one. Darkness and pain hidden from an early age, stored away in my mind, and secretly on page. Then life goes on, both happy and dark times prevail. I'm fine, I'm strong, and all seems to be well. Then slowly I'm not needed, I'm not the same. Can't cope, can't write, no words to keep me sane. I fall, I pretend, I struggle, the shame. She's gone, the writer, the girl, no one to blame. It's so dark where I am, I've lost my way, help. I'm screaming, how do I get through this day? Finally help comes and words come back in the form of a shout from a dark deep place that I need to get out. So the style of my character near tragic with pain, but determination 
understanding and a life to regain. regain. People have such different lives and each one a story. So with all life has dealt me, mine will evolve and words will be my saving glory. I did that whilst I'd forced myself to go on a creative writing course. And she asked us to define ourselves as a writer. The promise that I made to myself when I was a very young girl to be a writer. So young that I wrote a book at six, seven years old. It was about five pages long and had lots of drawings, but it was read in assembly. I still remember that feeling of pride. You also need to know that I won the English prize in 1977, just because I generally tell everyone that it is a family joke that I still have the school programme. Maybe I need to start believing in that person again. We all do. A teacher once said to me, you're always that same person within, as a child to an adult. I hope that I'm going to reach out to some of you with the wide range of subjects I'm going to cover through people coping with situations they believe to be impossible but have or are coming through them with courage and possibility. To finish off, I want to play you a song written and sang by my youngest daughter when she was at school and I was at my worst. It breaks my heart to listen to the words and it took me a long time to actually do that but also pride in her choosing to write and record this. Thank you. You think it's easier to lie Even though I'm by your side Explain the way you feel Mind shattered thoughts They all conceal And when it's hard To voice your mind You drown your sorrows And leave it all behind The carelessness Of your mistakes They fall through cracks And there's no take don't forget who loves you you've fallen down this time the pain you're feeling you'll fight it off be fine you'll be fine Pain.
before.